And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. John Vance. And in the studio with me today is my wife, Debbie. And uh, Pastor Vance, it's great to have you on with us today. I am delighted to be with you. And Deb, it's great to have you here. Thanks, honey. Um, the uh, coronavirus has been in the news. Um, I was looking back on a checklist I kind of keep, and uh, we first did an interview uh, on the coronavirus um, February the 1st. Uh, it had been around the previous month in January, and in fact, looking back at the record, uh, it was first reported on December the 8th, apparently, uh, as an outbreak in Wuhan. Uh, that's in China. And um, a lot has happened since then. And so um, the media has been 24 by 7 with this thing, and it has had kind of shock effects through our society and and certainly on the stock market. So um, there's a lot of pastoral concerns regarding God's people and care for the individual so uh, today, Pastor Vance, maybe you can kind of get us talking about, um, from a pastoral perspective, uh, this COVID-19 and um, how you see it. It certainly is a pandemic. Uh, we, we, we've not had many, but uh, we've had some in the past that have been quite devastating. For instance, the, the flu in, the, in uh, the 19th century um, when we had in 1919, what is that, 1918, 1919, somewhere in there. Uh, I had an aunt that passed away during that time. Uh, we are at, at the crossroads with this. This is a, a, a true uh, pandemic, and no doubt there are lots of people uh, that are highly, highly concerned and, and uh, fearful. Uh, as a pastor, I've thought about, how, what do you do? We are living... Uh, through this, it's devastating economically. I don't think we've reached the bottom at all. We're going to see uh, some repercussions economically for some time. Uh, but also, uh, the spread of the disease, um, we don't know how far it will go either. So there is a great deal of uncertainty, and uncertainty produces fear. And I think one of the, the things that I would remind uh, the listeners that are listening today uh, it reminds me of the of the scripture that in Second Timothy one seven. It's a wonderful scripture that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. And I think it's important uh, during a time of instability and uncertainty and fear that we remember that God is in charge. You know, one of the great things is to fall back upon and recall those great and wonderful truths of Scripture. Uh, that God is in charge. All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And he is sovereign, uh, providentially in charge, and uh, we are tempted uh, to be fearful. And uh, I've had my own fears that I've had to deal with, and I think out of that, uh, uh, I've, I've drawn up some, some uh, exercises, if you will, spiritual exercises that have helped me. Uh, let me just illustrate. Uh, I have AFib. I haven't had an attack for about four years, but 
My AFib attacks when I had them uh, uh, were quite severe. My blood pressure would jump over 210, 220 at the top, 110, 115 on the bottom, and my pulse rate would be 130, 35, 40, and just all over the place. And I would get fearful during those attacks, and uh, I learned something uh, during those times. I would I would take a verse of Scripture, and I particularly uh, would focus upon uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 26. And in that chapter, uh, it, it's there's a wonderful uh, a verse there that uh, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee, mm-hmm. he who trusts in thee. And I would just repeat that over and over in my mind during the attack. And and sometimes the AFib uh, would, would would be reduced. Um, and and uh, I was always fearful I had to go to the hospital. So now the coronavirus or COVID-19 can produce the same thing, but you can't see, touch, or feel like I could with the AFib. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you're dealing with something very uncertain and unknown, but the best thing to do, I think, is to truly concentrate on those great truths of the Scripture, that God is in charge, He's made this world, He's given us a spirit of love, and He's also uh, given us verses that we might concentrate upon Him. Uh, that, that's where I would start uh, when dealing with these things. And of course, we've got young people, particularly, uh, I have a niece in the service industry, she is a uh, an EMS worker, she goes and picks up people who've been in wrecks and things like that. And uh, I think uh, uh, you have two or three uh, uh, children that are in uh, liable to exposure. So these are concerns. Uh, these are concerns uh, for all of us. Yeah, they really are. And um, I'm going to let Deb talk here for a minute. And uh, how do you feel, Deb, about, uh, let's say, our daughter, uh, being a registered nurse and being around potential uh, risks like this? Well, it's complicated emotions, I think I would have to say, because you've trained them to go out and give up themselves, right? Um, but, yeah, we we encourage the kids to take um, proper steps, certainly, but we have a daughter-in-law who's a dental assistant, so she's just inches away from people's faces, and our mm. daughter being a registered nurse and the um, protective supplies are now limited, and they're being told they have to reuse the masks. And um, when I hear that, that's rather upsetting as a oh, mom sure. because you want them to give um, to give care and to uh, minister the love of Christ in in difficult situations. That's for sure. Um, but it's also, um, if I can say, very unnerving because um, you worry about them. Yeah, it's it's natural, and uh, Tim is. Um you know, once in a while now folding back into uh, uh, firework uh, in the town. And so, uh, you know, the kids are out there, and you do uh, worry yes. about these things. But um, I like what you say, Pastor Vance. And um, I've, um, in the past in my life, I've been prone to uh, panic attacks, not recently, but some years ago. And uh, one thing I never liked very much was was going in for those scans where you were in this big tunnel making all these noises, and I would try to do something very similar to what you described, and that was, uh, in this case, recite Psalm twenty three, and yes, and the Lord 
indeed is my shepherd. And, you know, go through that whole psalm, just kind of memorize it and recite it, and it, it provides a lot of comfort. There's no question about it that this is not just a, a nursery rhyme. There is something more about the Word of God as it's empowered by the Holy Spirit of God that meets the human need in every way, our psyche, our psychological, even our physical needs. And, and he is real, and he's there, and he comforts his people. And, and the scriptures are clear that he will never leave us or forsake us, and these scriptures remind us that he's with us. Yeah. Uh, everywhere I go, Natalie Sleeth wrote a song many years ago, Everywhere I Go, the Lord is with me. And that is a great comfort, and these scriptures remind us of that. It takes us out of ourselves and helps us to focus upon the one who made us. And there is great comfort and strength in uh, realizing that. And a spiritual exercise, you you know, our parents uh, who are Christians, uh, Christian parents and older people that we recall, they they memorize more scripture than we do today. Mm. And and in so doing, it was a great benefit and blessing for them to be able to recall Scripture in the time of need. And uh, and we need to get back to some of that, uh, particularly in times of uncertainty like we are in. Exactly. And, uh, and you know, I did something similar. I have a, a couple of verses that our listeners sent to us, uh, one from Isaiah saying that the Lord will be a shield around you and that the Lord will carry you between his shoulders. And we find that with um, the ability to text, our kids are sending Bible verses amongst themselves. And we've I personally have set a time at 12 noon and 6 o'clock so that the kids know that at that time, Mom's praying for them. Yeah. Well, spiritual exercises, uh, that's, that seems to me to be the key during a time like this, that we really get back to remembering who God is and who we are. And we are finite, and things do go wrong in this world. We live in a fallen world, and the more we realize uh, that uh, we were made for eternity as well, and we live in this life, but we have the hope of the next. Uh, but in this world, there are many dangers, and he will see us through. Yes. I've been praying one prayer I want to share with you, and and, uh, and that is what is called the Jesus Prayer. It's found among Eastern Orthodox Christians and others. It's, it's a Jesus Prayer. is Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And, you re- and they repeat that over and over on Mount Athos. That's where uh, they had monastery there or something. But I've been using that prayer to center my life of who I am. I'm a, I'm a sinner in the sight of God, but he loves me mm-hmm. and has given, given himself for me. And underneath me and underneath Deb and you, Dan, uh, and your children are the loving, everlasting arms of a God who sent his son into the world to redeem us and 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 that's where you start, the big picture, and then you get to the smaller picture by focusing on the verse. Yes. You know, I there's another aspect here I, I wanted to mention, too, and that is um, once we know the Lord, um, His ways flow outward from our lives and affect other people. And uh, there's a contrast going on here. Um, we, we know that this, this virus... 
um, was first found over in Wuhan, um, the, the province over there in China. And there were some people early on that um, tried to get the word out. They started to post about the virus, and, and yet they were arrested by the communist regime. And um, um, we, we want to see um, our civil magistrates um, follow as much as they can simply the Ten Commandments and, and pray that the Lord will give them wisdom, pray for transparency in our civil magistrates, yes, and um, yes. as opposed to a, a heavy hand of communism, and be willing to call things as they are. Um, th- th- this would have saved the world a lot of grief had the communists not covered this up early on. And Pastor Vance, I think you wanted to talk a little bit about language and about naming things in speech. Well, that is a very, very uh, sensitive and uh, point that uh, that you have made, and a touch and and a, an absolutely necessary point. Uh, notice that language is being abused around this whole thing. Uh, our president came out and talked about the Chinese flu, and he was jumped on from many quarters, even though those same people before. Uh, had, had used the same language, but we, we are having a problem with language today uh, for a number of reasons. People misuse language to stay in power. People misuse language to gain the goods of this world um, and so forth. But but I've I, I thought a great deal about this. Uh, ancient wisdom, not just in the Bible, but in, even in Chinese history, Confucius uh, who was a philosopher that lived about five or six hundred years before Christ, had talked about naming things properly. Uh, and by that he meant you had to say the truth. And if you use the word father, for instance, a person ought to live up to being a father. You just can't have children and not take care of them, for yeah. instance. And we have a problem with that today. Uh, or... You, uh, all, uh, there are many ways in which we, we, we do this. And even in the Bible, if, if you remember, the, our first parents, Adam, was given the power of naming. Mm-hmm. We're in a period where uh, people will not speak the truth to gain political advantage. The reason that our president was jumped upon uh, is that they are trying uh, to gain a political advantage uh, through squelching, such things. Why can't you call it the Wuhan virus? You know, we, we, we've in the past, when we weren't so politicized, we talked about German measles or Span, Spanish flu. Sure. I mean, you talk about Rocky Mountain spotted fever, or Ly- I think there's it, Lyme disease named after a town in Connecticut. It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's absurd to, to try to... Um, gain political advantage through uh, the uh, squelching and the use of language. Uh, we've even tried to put a face on militant Islam by not using the word Islam uh, attached to these violent acts that Muslims are committing around the world. Uh, it's a change of language, trying to change people and gain the advantage, and it's one of the horrible things that we're seeing in our world today. But anyway, I, I think we ought to use the word 
Chinese flu because it arose out of a communistic culture uh, that tried to cover it up initially, and now they're trying to blame it on us, that our soldiers <laughs> planted this in their country. Yes. Why not speak the truth plainly and clearly? Um, and also those wet markets in China where everything goes on, you know, the Chinese uh, people in some of those wet markets, they eat anything and everything, and these diseases, these viruses can jump from animals to human beings. It's happened in Africa in other places, and, and the World Health Organization and others have warned against uh, this these kinds of practices, but they go on. So I don't see anything wrong with calling a spade a spade in this case. Uh, and I'm, I'm thankful you, you, you uh, remembered that we had talked some about this and brought this up. But uh, it is the Wuhan virus or the Chinese virus, and I think that's a good name for it to remind us of a number of things. Number one, that... Uh, the, the the communist regime regime there wants us to not use that. They're really trying to blame the virus on us because they are uh, are more and more becoming our enemy, and they want to prepare their people to think of America as an enemy and as yes. a foreigner that is attacking their country. That's a good point. And, and I hate to say it, but this is really what's behind all this. Yes, and I, I think it's an important distinction. Um, when I think of China, I, I separate the communist regime from the people mm-hmm. of China. And the people of China, there's so many Christians over there now in the underground church. I think it's some estimates is that it's grown to perhaps 100 million people. These are brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes. And, and so when we, when we talk against the regime, which is wicked— I mean, it's a wicked, yes. wicked regime. It is, it is. Um, mm-hmm. We're not talking against the Chinese people whom we love. So that's an important distinction. That's true. That's true. No, this is a very deceptive regime, and make no mistake about it. They, they, they have flooded our country with spies in universities, reporters, and things like that, stealing our secrets. Uh, there's no question that they are trying to become the dominant country in the world and replace us. Yes. And you know what? If we, uh, if we lose our footing, and we're fast doing that, uh, on the Christian faith um, and Christian values and values of honesty, not stealing from others, not coveting what others have, et cetera, et cetera, Amen. putting God first, um, if we lose that footing— will become just like the other countries where communism has taken over. Dan, you're absolutely right. One of the failures uh, that, that, that we see in our own country and in Western Europe is that our, we are not passing the faith on to our children. Mm. And this is a very important matter to me, um, uh, to pass our faith on to the next generation and the next generation. That's what the Bible talks about to tell the mighty deeds of God. And if we don't succeed in passing on our faith uh, to others uh, so that they might receive Christ and come to know him as we've known him, Mm. uh, our culture will change uh, to the point where uh, then we won't have a bright future. Uh, But I do believe the secret to our cultural success Despite all of our sins and all of our 
weaknesses, and they are many, uh, is the fact that Christ has been in our midst who has blessed our country. And you're right to point out the Chinese. There are over 100 million Chinese, as far as we can tell, who have turned to Christ. And it will make a difference, I hope, in the long run in China. Oh, yes, yes. And and just to give a, a feeling for the size of that number, that's approximately, very roughly speaking, one-third the size of the United States population. That's a lot that's of people. Yeah. And we just praise God for the outpouring of, of His Spirit on these various people around the world. And it's happening in some other places as well. Yes. Uh, China is, is, is slated to be the largest Christian country in the world in 30 years. Mm, yes. If this trend keeps going, they will be the largest, have the largest Christian population in the world. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful thing. they've got 1.4 billion people. So they got a little uh, ways to go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true. Um, let's talk about this. Um, when a person comes to faith in Christ, um, First and foremost, it's a miraculous work of God's Holy Spirit of effectually calling that person to himself. Yes. And then when when he's awoken, or she's awoken to her sin, his sin, and, and the call of the gospel in Christ, um, how does a person respond? It's probably different for each person, but in real simple terms, you know, someone might be just, thinking about this today and say, you know what, I'm starting to believe in Jesus. What do I do? How would you advise them? You know, one of the simplest things is it is the Lord's work. Uh, the new birth, coming to Christ, is, is, the, is the work of the Spirit of God. In, in John chapter 3, the word anoth, which means uh, born again, but it also means born from above, meaning that it's work, that word does duty for two, two has two meanings, uh, again and above. And we shouldn't forget that in John chapter 3. And uh, it is a work of God. So how do we respond? I, I, I would say when God is tugging on your heart, there's something someone told me one time when I was a young man, and, and uh, it pointed me to Romans, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I think you call upon him and claim him as your savior. That's the human psychological response to God's divine work. And, um, and, uh, remembering too, that he will never leave us or forsake us, but he mm. will go with us to the end of the world. Yeah. And that wraps us right back to the beginning again, how that, um, in the midst of a coronavirus, um, knowing the Lord is essential having his peace and confidence that he'll see us through, that even if we get sick ourselves, that he is our Father in heaven who loves us. He fills us with his Holy Spirit. And um, this is wonderful peace for the people of God. Um, one last thing um, is is fellowship with God's people. And it's hard to get to church right now, maybe, in your community, because many churches are closed because of concerns of the virus and mm-hmm. and also implementing what our civil magistrates have asked us to do. Um, any suggestions of what people can do in the meantime? Well, I, I've never been a big uh, fan of 
uh, of religious programming on TV, some of them. I've been a much bigger uh, fan of religious programming on the radio because you hear a voice, a voice crying in the wilderness, so to speak. I think Redeemer Broadcasting is at a place where, where, where it can play a vital role at a time when people need to be reminded of the things of God. Um, it is, uh, of course, a deficit not being able to assemble ourselves together. There's no question about it. Mm. But we have the technological means today to be in touch and to be together. Uh, you had mentioned that your pastor is, uh, is uh, putting sermons uh, on video for the people in, in uh, the congregation yes. uh, to view and to keep in touch. Uh, my brother-in-law, who is a pastor, they're figuring out how to take communion um, and things like that mm-hmm. uh, in the homes, and they've broken themselves down into very small groups, uh, and an elder uh, taking communion from the service uh, that they have uh, to the homes. Uh, so it's it's uh, there have to be creative ways here that we might overcome this. We want we want to obey our magistrate magistrates yes. and health authorities. Uh, but there are ways, and thankfully we live at a time in history when we can overcome some of these things. And I'm excited what Redeemer can do at a time like this. It's it's an amazing opportunity. <laughs> Amen to that. Well, today we've been talking with Dr. John Vance. Uh, he now lives in West Virginia. He's still heard over Redeemer Broadcasting, and uh, that's Reflections on Word, that little feature that we air during the day. And uh, he's also a board member here at Redeemer. And also my wife, Deb, has been here in the studio. And Pastor Vance, we want to thank you very much for taking your time today and joining us. Well, thanks. And I've enjoyed being with you. And I hope that this will be a blessing to those who may be fearful that we all might learn to trust the Lord more than we ever have. And um, we want to wish you a good lord's day tomorrow and also say hi to your wife for us for deb and for me and deb it was great having you in the studio with thank us. you thanks pastor vance it's yeah, really always this a pleasure <laughs> <laughs> this is like my second time ever and uh, dear listener please join us next week for another edition of a plain answer <laughs>